0: I don't know how many of you realize this, but one of the greatest examples of faith, of standing on your faith, is worshiping God. And the reason I say that is, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but my guess is if I asked you if anybody came in here carrying something or a burden or a prayer request or a need, your all hands would go up. Maybe both hands and feet, right? And so we have a tendency at times to, I don't want to sing to God because I don't feel like it. Or I have so much burden in my life. Or I have so much stress. Or I have this anger against someone else. Or I have this unforgiveness. And I just want to think about that. I just want to hold it. And God's saying, will you just trust me to just take your hands off the situations and praise me? Let me handle it. And even if you don't feel like great are you, Lord, by the fact you're saying it, your spirit needs to hear that we get so tired by carrying stress and carrying burdens and carrying unforgiveness and carrying I've been wronged and God's saying, would you just give it over to me and praise me and let me show you how I can lift that burden off of you. Amen? Amen. As you are praising God, that's what happens. It's not a formula. It's the spirit of the living God. Well, I want to talk to you today. About a tactical approach. Ephesians 6, verse 11 says this it's a command from God Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are wiles? They're more than just strategies or plans. I know different modern versions have different descriptions of that. They are defined as devious or cunning strategies employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. That is exactly what the devil does when he attacks people, especially people who are considering how to navigate life. They're considering, considering who to listen to, what road do I path, who do, what, 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 what path do I follow? What person do I follow? They're considering, how do I deal with stress? How should I react to difficult choices and challenging situations? The devil is not an analogy. He is not a figment of someone's imagination. He is a dark angel who was kicked out of heaven for rebelling against God. And he took one-third of the angels with him when he left so now the devil and his demon following seek to wreak havoc on the inhabitants of this world by employing devious and cunning strategies to manipulate you into choosing his path of darkness or simply his wiles. Most of you have heard of the name wile before. As it harkens back to your younger years, you may recall the cartoon character of the Roadrunner as he repeatedly was lured into the cunning traps by Wile E. Coyote. Do you remember him? And where do you think his name came from? It's from the word "wily." Thus he was skilled at gaining an advantage through deceitful means, always trying to catch the roadrunner. Of course, he had a little help from his favorite super-fast delivery from Acme. Now, in case I need to refresh your memory, or if you're too young to know the Roadrunner, maybe this little clip will help refresh you. (laughs) Anybody remember that? It's not politically correct to show that stuff anymore, but we'll do it here. <laughs> In the cartoon, the Road roadrunner always escaped the wily and deceitful and conniving plans of the coyote. The roadrunner was always too fast or too wise or too lucky, or as you've seen, the laws of the universe applied differently to him than they did to the wily coyote. But to us, as you know, we are not that fortunate. We fall into traps and schemes of the enemy at various times. He can hit us when we're flying high or when we're laying low. He can hit us when we're full of energy or when we have none. So how can we improve our track record and stand against the wiles of the devil? We need to understand his strategies to be able to counteract them. This takes knowledge and wisdom and a willingness to be prepared and ready to act. Not just saying the devil doesn't exist. Or not just saying let's not talk about him. We need to understand what the attack is coming against us so we know how to stand up against it. The way to understand the strategies of the enemy is to look at God's commands and then determine the opposite way against them. That's the way the enemy is always going to do the opposite of what God has commanded us to do. By this, we can know how the enemy is attacking the people of God by trying to thwart his commands. So let me give you a couple of examples. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's very common for two people to think that an argument is only between the two of them. If you have a fight with your parents or with your children, it's natural to think that because one of you or both of you is wrong, or maybe that both of you are being stubborn. You think that the argument is only between the two of you. And while we're not innocent with when we are disagreeing with one another, there is often something else or someone else at play when there is a disagreement. This is what Scripture is trying to teach us here. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. If you're at odds with someone, no, it's not just the other person. It's just not part of the problem. Our struggle is not against another person or a group of people only. There is often a spirit of rebellion, or a spirit of rejection, or a spirit of pride, or a spirit of fear. If we are aware of these tactics of the enemy, then we will have more grace when we get upset. We will have more patience. We will be more willing to understand someone's point of view or their perspective and forgive when we are at odds with one another. Now before I go on I want you to let I want to let you know that in our service today once a month here we have communion. And we don't do it every week, we do it once a month because we want to talk about it and part of the gift of communion is we get to evaluate and examine our hearts where we have sinned against others, where we've had a bad attitude against others, where we have judged others, and we all mess up every one of us. And so the gift of communion is as we get convicted of these things, we can release it to God and ask for forgiveness so that when we take of the cup and of the bread, we are forgiven. And so as we talk about these things and maybe you've understood these things that maybe where you have done or where you have faulty, and I'm great right with you, the chance is not to feel bad about it and to deny it, but to accept it and say, yep, God, that was me. Please forgive me. Renew me and heal me. The wiles of the devil are to inject fear and to inject pride and miscommunication and doubt into our minds when we're dealing with others. Without this awareness, we spend too much time being mad at someone else. Or we assume things about their character. Did you ever hear the scripture verse that says, do not go to bed, do not let the sun go down on your anger? Do you know what that means? That means if you have a, a, a fight with your spouse, And you don't resolve it. When you go to sleep, the devil will get into your dreams and the devil will interpret the character of your spouse to you while you're asleep. If we don't deal with things, the enemy will start to inject assumptions. Well, the reason why he didn't look at me is because he's thinking this. Or the reason why she just smiled quickly and went away is because he's doing that. And we start to assume things. It's not coming from you, it's the enemy knowing that you're wounded. And he's injected that stuff in your mind. So that's why we have a hard time forgiving people, when we need to. All of us make mistakes. We have the gift of Holy Communion that we're celebrating today. So as we understand what the devil is doing, the wiles, we can counteract it and be more forgiving instead of secretly judging someone that we disagree with. All the time, if we fail to see the enemy preying on us, then we become isolated. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil watches people like a lion or a lioness watches a pack of antelopes. When the lion roars, it causes one of them to hesitate to look back to see what that roar was. And they slow down to investigate and they slowly separate from the pack. Then the lion goes after the prey one on one. This is exactly what the devil does in our lives. He roars by inserting doubt or by inserting fear or assumptions or confusion. And if we stop to give attention to his interjections, we become isolated from others and we become his prey. To counteract the strategy of the devil, we must be quick to lean on God and quick to understand others based on truth, not emotion. What's the truth? Well, I don't know why I'm being treated that way, but I know in the past this person has always been a good friend of mine. I don't know why my child is doing that, but in the past he's always been faithful and they always come through. And so sometimes we need to lean on that truth that I don't know what's going on right now, but I believe the best about that person so that we can seek healing. If a disagreement is too strong, it's best to separate ourselves and then seek God in prayer so that we don't get a hardened heart against others. If you're having a hard time with someone else, the worst thing you can do is separate yourself and then continue to brew about how bad that person is. When that's happening, that's the devil putting that into your craw to make you dwell on that again and again because he knows you're not ever going to get any better by not dealing with it. Is it possible to be in strong disagreement? but not emotionally charged? Of course it is. But it takes God's intervention to be able to respond that way. Think about it. While Jesus was dying on the cross, He forgave the very people who were killing Him by saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Usually when people are hurting people, they're doing it to protect themselves or acting out of wounds or ignorance, or whatever reason. So the gift, the greatest gift you can give someone else is to forgive them, because it blesses you in the process. How was Jesus able to separate strong emotions and feelings of rejection and pain from possible thoughts of revenge or anger? It was because He knew that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It wasn't the people killing Him that He was against. It was the hosts of darkness and wicked places. This is how we defeat the wiles of the devil, by understanding what he is up to and reacting in a way that draws us closer to God rather than being led away by our emotions. Ephesians six thirteen, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. If we're going to be successful in consistently standing against the wiles of the devil... We need to take up the full armor of God and know how to recognize the, the attempts of the enemy when they attack us on all fronts. So let's go down this list that's given in this verse here. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The first piece of the armor is a belt of truth. If you look at all the pieces, it's the only thing that wraps completely around you other than the helmet. But the belt of truth. What this means is the first way that the enemy attacks us is by attacking truth. He injects confusion and doubt and miscommunication into our minds and into our discussions. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that this is one of the most popular attacks of the enemy, especially in the world that we live in today. We see it all the time. Truth has been under attack greatly. You've heard us talk about that before. It's, it, it, there's no solid truth in the news these days. There's alternate truth. There are alternate facts. Or it might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And people say truth evolves. No, it doesn't. That's the enemy putting deception and miscommunication and doubt into the people, of, of people who are willing to listen to him. People deny or say they deny things that actually happened. People that have denied the Holocaust. Absolutely happened. People no, it didn't never happen. That's not just people being mean. You have to understand that's the devil inserting that deception into people's minds, and as you consider it, you fall for the wiles of the of the devil. Don't think for one minute that this is just people lying. Or people being deceitful. This is the direct result of the devil sowing misinformation. Injecting a spirit of deception into those who are not submitted to Christ. Therefore we must seek the truth that only comes from Christ. We must spend time in His Word. We must be convicted by the truth. By the Holy Spirit. You may have done something that's really bad. You think God wants nothing to do with me. That is not in the Bible. That's not true no matter what you have done. If you've killed someone, if you had an affair, no matter what you have done, God says, I can forgive you if Jesus forgave the very people who killed Him. It doesn't matter what you've done. Don't let condemnation be your voice that dictates what you do. Let God be that voice. The truth is God is here to forgive. And when He forgives you, it takes a load off your shoulder and off your life. When conviction comes, we must be willing to admit that we're, we're wrong. We must be willing to say that we made a bad mistake or we made a bad choice or we messed up. Big deal. Get over it. We make mistakes all the time. I made several this morning. I'll make several more today. I'm pretty good at making mistakes. But I also need to be good at saying, I'm sorry. I was wrong. We must gird ourselves with a belt of truth. A belt wraps all the way around you, which means we make it a priority to speak and to share the truth, even when it's difficult. And if we do that, we'll have nothing to cover up when we walk away from a situation. If you lie, then you've got to keep protecting that lie. But if I just speak the truth, even if you don't like it, if I speak the truth, I don't have to go back and try to cover it back up again. We lead with truth and we leave truth in our midst when we leave a situation. People can argue, and they can debate feelings, but they cannot argue with truth. Truth is the most important thing that you can give to a friend or someone else. So gird yourself with the belt of truth. The next piece that's mentioned here is that we have a breastplate of righteousness. This is the understanding that your heart is kept right before God when you are submitting to Jesus. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're submitted to God. A heart for God is quick to forgive. It's quick to apply God's Word to your own life and quick to understand that your righteousness comes from God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved, Through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, your heart stays right before God when you understand that your righteousness has nothing to do with anything you've done. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how many times you've come to church, or how many times you've prayed, or how much money you've given, it has nothing to do with your righteousness. We do not earn our righteousness based on our works or our deeds. As long as we remember that salvation is a gift of God given by grace and received by faith, our heart stays right before God. You understand, it's not about being perfect. It's about understanding that God's salvation is God's gift to me. But the wiles of the devil will attack in the opposite way, which means he will attack us by attempting to, us to be prideful in the things that we do. We will be tempted to want to be thanked when we do something for others. We will be tempted to want to be noticed or to want to be congratulated for all the things that we do. We may feel that we deserve certain rewards or deserve to be praised or deserve more attention. Yet these are all attacks from the devil, attempting to poison our hearts so we are not dependent on Jesus. Pride puffs up. It causes us to fall. But the gift that God gives us is humility. Being humble allows our, ha- our hearts to stay soft and pliable in God's hands. It keeps us close to Jesus. Being humble is the best way to defeat the wiles of the devil. Because I'm not expecting to be praised. I'm not expecting to be thanked. I'm not expecting to be noticed or rewarded. If I am, praise God. Because God did that, not me. Ephesians 6, verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, the next piece of armor that's talked about is the shoes of peace. Why is peace weighed down at the shoe level? It's because we choose to bring peace into situations by leading in our own initiative. When I go into discussion, I can bring in animosity, I can bring in anger, I can bring in divisiveness, or I can choose to bring in peace. Peace doesn't just happen automatically. We need to bring it. As ambassadors of Christ, we need to bring the Prince of Peace into situations that demand His presence. Knowing that peace is a godly aspect of the work of Christ, this is what is attacked by the devil in many situations. The devil will attack the peace of your household by sowing confusion and by making members assume the worst of others when there is a breakdown in communication. Has it ever happened in your household? Would something happen where the devil inserted confusion or doubt or judgment and it destroyed the peace in your household? Has it ever happened on a Sunday morning before church? Of course it has. Has it ever happened on the car drive on the way over here? Of course it has. Why? Because the devil sees that you're going into a place of peace and he's going to attack that peace. It's not the other person. It's the enemy inserting that in. That's part of the wiles of the devil. The devil will attack the peace of friendships when communications have stalled for whatever reason. Even the peace in a church or in a congregation is attacked when people fail to make communication a priority. All the devil needs is a foothold to get in to, and to stir things up. In a crisis, you can never overcommunicate. When challenges come, it is important to talk through difficulties and face disagreements head on with grace but also with truth it's no secret that during a war one of the first tactics of an enemy is to destroy the communication resources of the other side because if one side can't communicate with each other it breeds confusion that's what the enemy does he goes after your communication the enemy will always attack your communication tempting you to believe the worst about someone else or tempting you to assume something less than honorable about a brother or sister in Christ. When we are being tempted to believe the worst about others, we need to react by doing the opposite. We need to choose to love them and believe the best about them until we can come together and work through all things. Love makes peace a priority. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8. You know this verse, the love verses. It ends by saying, Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. We need to remember to lead with love in order to bring peace into situations. And when we are tempted to believe the worst, and we all are at times, We must ask ourselves what we are assuming about someone else. Let's choose to believe the best about others. Sometimes the truth is that people are acting the way they are against us because they are wounded themselves. Sometimes it's because they don't have all the information. Sometimes it's because we have hurt them. Not on purpose, but we've hurt them nonetheless. But one who seeks to bring peace into all situations isn't so stuck on always being right. The one who seeks peace is quick to understand, slow to react out of emotion, and quick to go to God, the Prince of Peace, to heal the situation. I don't know if you're dealing with that at all, if there's any strife or in a relationship or a friendship or anything at all, but if it is, let God bring peace back in. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You see, the next while of the devil is to attack your faith. We know that our shield of faith can quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This means that we better be ready for an attack on our faith. The devil attacks our faith. When we expect God to rescue us immediately from unfair situations. Or when we expect God to heal us every time we are sick. Or when we expect God to fight on our behalf every time that we are in need. But there are times that our prayers are not answered as we would like them to be. This is when the enemy moves in and attacks your faith. The devil attacks us by saying things like, Where's your God now? Why doesn't he answer? Why doesn't he help you? Are you sure that God even exists? Every single time you consider doubting the existence of God, understand that this thought originated from the devil. He continually throws fiery darts of doubt to attack your faith. All he needs is for one of those darts to get by your defenses and cause you just to consider it for a moment. If one doubt gets in your craw, it disturbs the peace in your mind. It causes you to doubt the truth of God. And it lowers your confidence in holding up your shield of faith. The devil knows that if you stand on the Word of God every time, then he cannot touch you to influence you, or to manipulate you. But if you start doubting the power of God, you will start arguing with the devil's temptations instead of refusing to even l- listen to them. When you find yourself doubting the promises of God, don't shame yourself for feeling that way. All of us experience doubts that time. Simply recognize it as one of the wiles of the devil and ask God to speak His truth directly to you. Spend time in His Word. Meditate on verses that speak about His faithfulness. If you're not sure where to go, ask one of us. Join one of our studies. Come along another brother and sister in Christ to help you defeat the stronghold that you're dealing with. Know the verses that especially that you can use that, that, re, that come against the attack that you're going under. Then raise your shield of faith with full confidence, knowing that it will extinguish every single fiery dart of the evil one. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is the divine knowledge and power through the Word of God to defeat every single attack of the devil. There is power in the Word. Amen? There is power in the Word. Amen? It not only makes sense to give you practical wisdom, but the Word of God is alive. It does damage to the devil if you have faith to believe the biblical truth that you are standing on. The reason of the word, that the Word of God is more powerful than temptation and the attacks of the enemy is because light is always more powerful than darkness. The devil crafts his plans in the darkness. He feeds off of confusion and doubt and fear and miscommunication and suspicion. That's where he lives. That's his realm. But when we lead with the helmet of the salvation, meaning the knowledge of Jesus in our minds and the sword of the Spirit, acknowledging the Word of God is empowered by the Spirit, then we bring every demonic tactic out of the darkness and into the light and it loses all its power. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Speaking the truth and standing on the power of the Word of God ensures that no weapon formed in the darkness shall prevail against the blood of Christ that protects all of God's children. By His strength, we rise up and we speak truth. We come against any attack that seeks to condemn us or to separate us from Christ, which is spiritually impossible if we hold the truth of His Spirit and His Word. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you have done, no matter what the enemy has told you, no matter how much guilt or shame or condemnation you have, nothing can separate you from Christ. That's the truth you need to know. Understand that we cannot be defeated by the enemy if we bring his tactics into the light. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. One of the most prevalent and frankly successful strategies of the devil is to convince Christians not to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Many do not truly believe the power of prayer and so they don't pray regularly. Many see prayer as optional and not absolutely essential. Many do not turn to God first through prayer. Rather, you react first. Maybe you share your opinion or your doubt or your excuse. And then afterwards, when it's really bad and obvious, then you go to prayer. But that stronghold has already started. When this happens, understand that it was the devil that caused you to take the battle first to your mind instead of to your heart. The devil calls you to take it to your logic and to your emotions. The devil knows the power of prayer. And he has done very well to keep many Christians sidelined and lacking the full divine power available to them, simply by convincing you that prayer is not as powerful, not as important, and not as vital to everything you do in life. But we are not merely called to just pray. We're called to pray in the Spirit. This means that we allow the Spirit to direct our prayers. We don't just pray a list of needs and requests to God. Some of you remember the story I've told before where our son Joshua, when he was nine months old, he had cancer. And he had a tumor on his kidney. And we had many family members who were afraid and thought he was going to die. He had lost a lot of weight. He was in the hospital bedroom. If you ever seen an infant in a hospital bedroom, it looks more like a prison cell than it does a crib. My wife went down to the cafeteria to take a break and I was in the room. The next day the surgeon was going to have, a, our son was going to go under surgery to remove this tumor that had taken over his entire kidney. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of attack. and As my wife was down there, the lights are all off and I As I was praying in that hospital room, I heard God's voice. I don't usually hear God's voice, but I knew God was speaking to me, and I heard His voice. And as I was praying, I started to say, God, remove this tumor. In fact, God said, I will give you whatever you want. That's what I heard God say to me. I'll give you whatever you want. Just pray it and believe it by faith. So naturally, as a father, I'm saying, God, I... I'm, in my heart, I want to say, God, get rid of this tumor, because I know God can do miracles. But as I started to do it, the Spirit of God came upon me, and He changed my prayer. And I can't explain it. Other than, as I was starting to ask for God to heal my son, the Spirit of God gave me the faith to know that my son would be okay. I didn't chicken out. I just he, he, he said, your son's going to be okay. I'm going to get you through it. And so as I was praying, I, I felt enough faith to say, God, I know you're going to bring us through it. So instead, let me be a testament and let me tell all my family and all my friends and all the teachers I work with and everyone else that you are in control. And God heard me and then his presence left the room. My wife came back up and I said, you're not going to believe this. I was praying and I heard God's voice. And God asked me to ask for anything I wanted to. And she said, did you ask for the tumor to remove? And I said, no. He wasn't happy. And I said, there's something even greater. God gave us the assurance he's going to be okay. And even before the surgery went in, we started to witness and share Jesus with others and prayed for other people in the hospital. And we went through a difficult time. And he had chemotherapy for five and a half months, and he got sick and all those things, but God was with him and through it the whole time. I don't know why God chose us, but he did. But I'm saying that sometimes God changes your prayer if you're willing to pray by the Spirit instead of just what you think you need. And it might not always be what you want, but if God can use it to bring glory to Him, then praise God. We can't always go to God with just a list of what what we want to happen. Because sometimes God may put you in a difficult situation so that you can demonstrate forgiveness to someone else. Sometimes God may put you in a difficult relationship so you can demonstrate compassion to someone else. And that might not, be ever, might not ever be something that you would pray for, but if God wants to break, some, break through someone's life to show them that they're loved and that they can be forgiven and that they can be understood, then God might use you even though it's something that you would never ask for. But if I go into prayer and say, God, I pray by the Spirit, direct my prayers, I'm going to trust you that no matter what happens, you're going to bring me through it all. I've had a lot of difficult things happen to us as well. And I'm not perfect, neither is my wife, but there's many times where God has used us in difficult situations to reflect the light of the glory upon Him and not upon us. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, meaning Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Whatever you are dealing with right now, whether it's condemnation or shame or guilt or hurt or fear or pride or a medical sentence that's been given to you or a situation in life, Jesus says, my name is above every name. It's above condemnation. It's above shame. It's above unforgiveness. It's above any sickness on this earth. God wants us to all to come to him. We need to know who he is to us. Is he your creator? Is he your healer? Is he your foundation? Is he your strong tower? Who is Jesus to you? He wants to be all things if you put your trust in him. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on the truth of these words. And knowing how to refute all the attacks of the enemy. Help us to know personally who you are to us. And help us to live that way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.